When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You played the- Hello, everyone, and welcome to Oh, What a Night, part of the 90 Minute Podcast Network. Sorry we've been away for a little while. We have missed doing the pod, but Christmas and life have very much got in the way. I'd like to say we're back with a bang, but we're back with a minor fizzle off the back of Spurs losing to Chelsea over the course of two legs in the League Cup semi-final. Last night was a 1-0 defeat and a little bit of a shame. Uh, It sort of went a little bit flat, didn't it, towards the end. Uh, On the pod today, Jude Summerfield, Hunter Godson, Dan Patrick of the Evening Standard fame. How's everyone doing? Everyone all right? Yeah, not flat. Flat. Not. <laughs> <laughs> so, certainly, certainly been better, certainly been worse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. I mean, it wasn't great though, Hunter, was it last night? Yeah, I mean, I th- we were sort of discussing it on in WhatsApp during the game and, and you, you sort of said a point that really resonated with me that I don't think we can learn too much more from this team now. I, have, I really think we have seen... <laughs> like the top the top and the bottom of what this team can offer and last night wasn't even the bottom it was just like a very middling performance a performance that could beat a a fine Premier League team like most of the time we created enough chances but you know against the Chelsea it just it looked quite dreary just in in the terms of of which they controlled the game yeah it suddenly became quite um the idea of not being able to learn much more about the squad is suddenly like it comes sharply into focus down when you consider that Conte put together this whole thing of I'm going to analyse everyone and see where I feel like they're all at. Yeah. And I totally agree. I, I, I don't think we can glean any more from watching this side toil against Morecambe and get completely outclassed by Chelsea. You know, we know what they're going to offer now. And I have detected a slight kind of change in in Conte's approach since he kind of finished these much anticipated evaluations because he was kind of very clear. He, he, he's always very frank, and he was saying, "I'm still analysing the squad." And then suddenly it was like, "No, I finished analysing the squad. <laughs> 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 so that's finished now. I've, I've compiled my report. I've given it to, to Daniel and Fabio, and and you know we can kind of see that he's." just less inclined to to sort of use players like Delhi and, and Ndombele. And it, and it does feel like he's kind of made his judgment and he knows who he can trust now. And, and, and frankly, he knows who um, he can't and he doesn't want to be 
in a position where he's having to play those players that he can't, which which has happened this week, I think, owing to the need for rotation and, and a lot of injuries. Yeah, I do like the idea of Daniel Levy going through like a flick book with these evaluations in and he gets to Tangi and Dombele's one and it's just a page with one word on it saying midfielder. (laughs) 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 Jude, I I really enjoy um, every time Spurs have a a rough one, I always speak to you about what you've done to, to balance it out. Um, and and I love the fact that it's like I've got to do something like go for a run just to make sure that I clear my headspace. And you've done that again here. Yeah, I actually really didn't want to get up this morning to go for the run, but we powered through it. Um, and yeah, on a little on a little bit of a darker note, I went to see my mum. <laughs> Nothing like galaxy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had a little chat. Um, but but yeah, you have to find a way to to balance it all out and to realize that it's just a Carabao Cup semi-final second leg the world will keep on revolving we'll yeah. be okay <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny I, I think one of the reasons that it, it's important to get that perspective Hunter is because I see tweets all the time and, and that consistently make me realize that Spurs supporter base mm. is both the best place to be and sometimes a <laughs> difficult place to be because of our because of our penchant for self-flagellation like we love battering ourselves do you know what i mean we we, we seem to really enjoy the whole like bloody spurs mm. yeah no i i a hundred i a hundred percent agree with you i w- what i found yesterday was that wasn't the case it felt genuinely angry yesterday right. and that's what that's what, usually a hundred percent i agree like you know we throw away a silly goal against a team we should be beating blah blah but i think people felt like we don't like playing Chelsea. We would really like to beat Chelsea and we're nowhere, nowhere near to that. And you have a manager, probably the best manager or who Spurs have ever managed to get to come to Spurs. And it sounds like he doesn't believe he's going to be back. It, we haven't done any business 15, well, what are we now? 13 days into the window. I think people would just, it was sort of like Gosh, everything so coming far. together like it, it's actually quite a lot of days into the window yeah <laughs> but look there's it's it's i know people hated when uh when when on the documentary it said that oh it's difficult in january it's not a good job to do i know people really resented that but it must be crap it must be really really difficult because you have such a small window of time people don't want to lose their players if you're buying a player they're probably quite good you don't want to lose those players. Then that club has to replace that player. It's all so tight. And I, I, as much as I can understand people's frustration, I was never seeing January as our sort of, as that our sort of massive, you're going to get loads of incomings. T- t- two players would be amazing. But I think the summer's the rebuild, right? Like that's the, that's the downside to bringing a manager in halfway through a season with a squad that sort of run its race. Yeah, I mean, teams don't bring in six or seven in January at mm. any point, do they? It's just not something that happens. Um, so it's a summer rebuild for sure. Um, and Particularly, yeah. I suppose, Jude, with looking at Newcastle, who are not finding it easy mm. by any stretch. No, but they're, they're, they're being relatively smart, to be fair. I mean, they've, they've targeted players they can get for reduced fees and they went out and stole a striker from from one of their relegation rivals. So, you know, there are deals that can be done. It's just whether it's, it's right for the club and we'll... Just have to wait and see if, you know, mm. we end up getting a dammer or someone like that. Would um, you have taken a uh, question? Would you have taken Chris Wood? 
Top yeah. 25 mil. Um, I don't. I... Dan said yes, by the way, for those that didn't. 20, Dan said yes. 25 mil. <laughs> yeah, for the price, obviously, regardless, for yeah, the price yeah, as well. No, I, I, no. No. <laughs> no, but I think you would take him for 10 mil, right? I think yeah, he's, he's a. Yeah. You'd probably take him for, for less than that, but yeah, I forgot yeah. Newcastle paid the release clause, which I think is smart business, but also kind of mad. Yeah, Sean Dyche wasn't too happy about that one, was he? <laughs> Did anyone have done um, six months of Jermaine Defoe on a free? Like, if, if he was just <laughs> like jump straight in, <laughs> no, <laughs> we've gone, we've gone mad. No, I wouldn't. I would. Like at the moment, no. I absolutely would because there is no alternative to Harry Kane at all. Yeah, true. When you say it like that, what's Roman Pavlyuchenko up to these days? <laughs> Lorente, like just get the list yeah. out. You know I mean, I that never made sense though, did it? Like, I think all yeah. Spurs fans can agree that like, it didn't make sense when he left. Then we tried to get him back and, and all of it was quite strange and just a bad, bad managing of the whole situation. Put Gazaniga up top. We'll <laughs> Fulham fans will tell you, you don't want him back. Yeah. <laughs> <what they're> <laughs> Um, so there was one thing that I did want to just kind of touch on before we get into the thick of it. I think off the back of your point, Hunter, that last night was the first time that I felt since Conte started a really guttural and quite visceral sense of um, frustration listening to the away supporters. Like they were having party time in there, Dan, weren't they? They were really quite enjoying themselves. And their their chance that usually would be like, way it's football, suddenly felt quite pointed because it's your rival and it's the club that used to have Antonio Conte and where he was so successful, suddenly kind of putting... You know, when they started singing Antonio, it was like... Oh, yeah, that, that was a kick in the teeth, wasn't it? Mm. But let's not forget that Morecambe had an hour of singing Tottenham Get Back. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't definitively worse than that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think the circumstances of the game kind of really contributed to their glee as well with all the VAR decisions, which, which were absolutely the right call. But just the fact yeah. that Spurs had these three kind of the stadium had these three kind of peaks of, of sort of hope that were then taken away. That that really contributed to. Um, the Chelsea fans' party, and I did think when they were chanting Antonio, it was because they, they definitely didn't do that at Stamford Bridge. You know, there was there was none of that from the home support. He got a, a pretty lukewarm reception, really. Um, so that was just to rub it in, I think, to, to Spurs yeah. fans. You know, when you're in that position of strength, then you can celebrate the last manager to to win you the title. But you know, when there's actually something on the line against his team and, and and you're kind of fearing them, then you absolutely wouldn't do that. And it just spoke to the fact that Chelsea was so comfortable. And, and I think Tuchel came out and said they were playing at 90%, which if again, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah, which was probably a, 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 an overstatement really. Um, and that felt, um, you know, pretty, pretty hard to hear from the Spurs point of view that he was kind of willing to admit that. Yeah, that's it. And I suppose all of this comes with, it, it comes against the backdrop of the Morecambe game. And we should touch on that before we get stuck right into the, to the Chelsea one and look ahead to the North London derby. Because like you said, Dan, there was, there was 65 minutes there, maybe 60 minutes there where it, it annoyingly felt uncomfortable. And I've said this on a couple of things so far, that the FA Cup is... Like I mean, it rightly has its place in UK hearts as one of the best club competitions there is in the world. 
But the reason for that is because when you have a, a small side against a big side, everyone wants to see an upset and it's not just your rivals it's everyone that wants to see it there's so many people that would have enjoyed the Cambridge result there's so many people that would have enjoyed the Nottingham Forest result against Newcastle and against Arsenal but Jude for for a bit it did feel uncomfortably like there was a possibility that it could potentially be us yeah yeah absolutely um but again it was the same sort of situation with the fringe lads not really producing anything of quality um, and leaving it to the likes of Lucas and Kane to come off why, the bench. Why and do you steal. think that is, mate? Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess we just touched on strikers, but there's no other striker in the squad who can really make a dent up top if Kane's not playing. Um, I know the Morecambe game, it was just very side to side, wasn't it? There was no real cut and thrust to the movement they were going going through. Mm. I mean, like sticking Delhi and Brian Hill up front was was always going to be a tricky one. But I know I think with with that sort of style of play and formation, you, if you get a team like Morecambe who are a bit lower in the football pyramid, they can just come and sit in. And if there's no cut and thrust or incisive passing, then it's easy for those like to uh to just stand off and try and nick something from a corner, for example. Which is I think when that goal went in, it was like Right, fucking of course. Yeah, that is going to happen. <laughs> you know, you're going to have people just flailing at corners. And the fact that it wasn't even a header, like the ball it came was a down volley and, and the... he volleyed it in <laughs> on like the center, <laughs> not the center, um, the penalty spot was just in between, absolutely outrageous behavior. In between defending. the penalty spot and the six yard box. Yeah. yeah. Volleying in the in anywhere in the area from a corner, it should be like, call the game off, you won it. Like getting the golden <laughs> snitch, like get it done. <laughs> if you volley, <laughs> yeah, you, that's nonsense. And I have to say, I'm sure we'll come on to it, but Tanganga for that goal and Tanganga for Rudiger's header yesterday, that, that just shows a, a level of naivety that that we can't afford to have. I think you could possibly rewind even further to the first leg if you wanted to. Yeah, well, look, look <laughs> I'm sure, look, we're going to get into it. <laughs> but Hunter, for you, was there any other reason as to why you think the second string seemed to struggle so much? Well, it goes back years now, doesn't it? it? It goes back past, way past this year, you know, look at the Europa League last year, the Conference League earlier in the season, and, and even before that, like this, the second string just can't click for some reason. And I don't know if it's a lack of quality or a lack of, you know, you know, Ben Davis came out and said, it's hard to know you're the second string. It's hard to know that you're going into a game as the second string. And they play like that. They do play like that. There's a lack of intensity. That There are some players who want to be there and some who don't. And it just you just see that in the, in the way that they play. And that it's, it, for whatever reason, the, the quality is not good enough to sort of take on Morecambe. <laughs> I, I, just while we're discussing second string, I did just want to give a, a quick word to this because it feels like the world has had their opinion on it. But Dan, I wanted to get your take on, on the Tangy issue and the nature of him either being booed or not being booed until he didn't walk off the pitch. What was your take, mate? Well, my take was kind of that it was fair enough to boo him. I've seen some people say, like, they hate fans booing their own player in any situation. But I think in that situation, he wasn't being booed. It wasn't like he was booed off immediately. He started getting booed because he walked off at an incredibly slow and unhelpful 
pace when Spurs were trailing and trying to inject some impetus. You know, it was flat. They, they needed a, a lift and he was, you know, his number went up and basically all he had to do was just kind of jog off the pitch, but he, he made no effort to do that. And then obviously went straight down the tunnel. So I, you know, I, I sort of totally um, support Spurs fans right to boo him in that situation. Um, I think in terms of the wider situation, um, yeah, I mean, you, you heard what Conte said last night, you know, he said it was a kind of club decision not to include him in the squad and I got that confirmed um, this morning. Um, he had he, he spoke to Paratici and, and you know, they, they kind of decided it was best that he, he wasn't involved. Um, and I think the writing's on the wall now. Um, that was an interesting line, wasn't it? The, the the line that he said that he yeah it, it, it was surprising sometimes you have to toe the club line yeah it was surprising um I think it was maybe he was angry at the defeat and I think maybe it was lost in translation I don't right. think it meant like he was Mouth well my beast. understanding is not that yeah. he was kind of told to drop Tangi I think it was more that it was done in full in full consultation and with the full support of of the club who you know as we know. Um, that's a shift in policy because Levy was very keen for, for Tangi to work when Mourinho was having difficulties with him and didn't want to sell him in Mourinho's first summer, you know, went out to bat for him um, and, and Mourinho towed the line, towed the club line then and, and got a tune out of him. But it's clearly now the club has changed tact and decided that actually Conte, you know, is free to, to kind of bin him off and, and, and they will support him in that decision. So, you know that that's a shift, but I think a pretty unsurprising shift, right? Yeah, I think that there's there is a real um, I want to say a split, but there's definitely different types of of Spurs fan, and there's definitely definitely different positions that people hold within the fan base. I know there's a lot of people that gave up on Tangi a long time ago. In the same way, there was a lot of people who gave up on Eric Lamella a long time before we did. <laughs> God, what we do for an Eric Lamella now? Yeah, God. incredible. But mm. but Hunter, I suppose this is one of the first times that it is impossible to make a defence for him at mm. a really key moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, I've been one of the. the his staunchest protect, protectors, protector of Undombele. Um probably giving Dan grief under one of my many pseudonyms on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, if you can't, if you can't make an impact against Morecambe, I remember before he came, and I remember this being really stuck with me. Before he came, there was I can't remember if he said it or someone at Leon said it that he struggles with the big, with the small teams. He doesn't like playing the small teams. He only likes playing the big teams. I, and I remember this as well. There yeah. A big quote around this. And I remember thinking, that's slightly worrying because, you know, in the Premier League, there's loads of teams who will probably consider to be not <laughs> big teams. And then, yeah, there's the FA Cup and the League Cup and all sorts. And it does seem like he can turn up and he has the ability. But the fact that he's managed, was it 10, 90 mins so far? And we're two years in, two, like, that's a long old time. Like, it, it's just not good enough. And I, there's no way anyone could possibly protect him now. I still think there's an incredibly, incredibly talented footballer in there. Probably one of the most naturally gifted footballers Spurs have ever had. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like last last night, I was just yearning for someone like Christian Eriksen again. And not Tangy Ndombele. I wasn't thinking we need Ndombele in this game. I was thinking we need a passer who's going to work hard. 
And Ericsson's numbers were always huge, even though he was like a Mesut Ozil, never looked like he was running, but he was running everywhere. Uh, and Tango Ndombele, if he's not, if he's not running, he's not good at pressing. He's not that press resistant at the moment, at least. Like he's been caught a, f- a fair few times in the last few weeks. Like, there, there just seems to be. He's not playing enough to improve his game. He's not playing enough to get in the squad. And when he does play, he doesn't nail this point down. So, what do we do at this point? It's so it's it's so um, it, it's so tough as a fan as well that just wants it to mm. work because at Spurs we never have gone yeah. on signings. Right, we've always been in the wake of other clubs who yeah. can afford to do it because they're incredibly wealthy or have a state owned their club. <laughs> Um, well, I remember being so jealous about Mesut Ozil to Arsenal and Alexis Sanchez actually to Arsenal. I just remember thinking, God, Spurs would never, ever do that. And this, when we got Lo Celso and Ondombele, I was like, that is that is a couple of statement signings. They were brilliant the yeah. year before and it just has unfortunately not worked out. Okay, now, I suppose one analogy I would make, Jude, is that you know when we watched maybe Luka Modric leave Spurs and you it was kind of like when someone breaks up with you and then they start going out with like a really really good looking bloke and you're like oh piss off whereas, <laughs> whereas with Tangi you can imagine if he were to leave the club you'll sort of you'll watch him maybe for a, a team like I don't know, Besiktas or something somewhere have a stormer in the Champions League <laughs> in a couple of years time and you'll be like oh there he is yeah, you say, yeah, he's saying he's more Adel Tarat than Luka Modric. You just, it's just, I don't think he, I mean, we, we don't know what happens, obviously, of course, but if he if he leaves, I'm not sure how many people will be sitting there pining on a Sunday afternoon for Tangi and Nobele in the same mm. way that we did for Bale, in the same way that we did for Modric, in the same way that we did for Berbatov, for Carrick, all of these players that, that we just so desperately needed at the time that they left. But I feel like he could have been something. No, 100%, 100%. I think it's going to be more um, like flicking through Facebook and seeing an old flame maybe once or twice a year, not doing too well in life and <laughs> laughing a little bit about it. <laughs> That's where everyone keeps Facebook, Pretty isn't cruel, it, dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I said what I said. Fantastic. Yeah, I, see, I, I'm on the other side. I think you once or twice a year you'll see them looking really great and go, "Oh, uh, good for you." I'll, <laughs> I'll continue to follow his career closely if oh, he goes really? somewhere, just because I'm I just silly. think he's just one of the best players to watch. I think I, just... I think Tarabt is is a is a decent comparison actually. Um, and I I haven't followed his career closely, but from what I've half seen he seems to find the penny seems to finally drop like in the last few years yeah he went to benfica and he didn't play for a year because the mm. coach was just like you're not you're not playing you're not fit enough and then he got fit and he's he plays in like a 4-4-2 as the more advanced to the two it's it's quite impressive mm. do you remember when when he scored goals for qpr that were out of this world. yeah and then people oh, were like yeah. why did Tottenham ever let him play and it was like yeah we'll watch the other 37 yeah. games this season yeah. and, and mm. then we'll, we'll have the discussion just have to watch the season right. after felt like a waste way, of talent I think I think Ndombele is going to feel like a just at the end of his career he's 
going to be kicking himself and, and everyone will be gutted because it would just he'll have just wasted his talent. I think that's the way it's going, isn't it? Under Conte as well, you just like the thing is with Conte, you get a clean slate. It's not like with other managers where you, you don't really get a clean slate. They know what you've done in the past. You do, everyone gets a chance. And it's just the fact that we're now here, what we're four, manager four, manager four. Yeah, because Mason didn't love him either. There, there's an issue, isn't there? Either I think he hates being in England. That's so that's another big part of it, right? Yeah, I just wonder if, like, the pressure for him and Lacelso being tasked as like the two midfielders who were bought that summer after the Champions League final to like take Spurs on to another level has, I don't know, it's just proved too much. And then there's been turbulence outside of their control with like managers and that. And it's, um, there's a lot I think that's of played into it. Yeah. I think that's well, played into it too. <laughs> we're once again sitting there going, how good were Musa Dembele and Christian Eriksen? <laughs> They were very good. long. right. We've put it, we've put off uh, speaking about Chelsea game for long enough now. Um, so we, I'll keep the the good section because I feel like we still, as ever, need to try and be as objective as possible with the with the performance. And one of the things that stood out to me straight away is that. Absolutely did their bit. The I don't know the, the the media section, the wall of noise from the south stand for for a period. I thought was really, really quite impressive, um, and it really kind of hit me. Yeah, it was it was a good atmosphere. Um, I felt like Spurs responded to that and and actually started reasonably well you know they yeah. probably showed more in the first um sort of 10 minutes or so than in the whole first half definitely in the whole first half of Stamford Bridge and most of the game at Stamford Bridge and you, you did kind of think you know at least they're they're having a go here um it was just frustrating because you know Doherty was, was playing on the left on our kind of touch line you know I assume you were over on that side and that's where the press box is and he was seeing a lot of the ball and just unable to do anything with it, really. And it, it, we were back in the place where, where kind of Lucas was the principal playmaker, just kind of buzzing around, trying to cause chaos and, and occasionally picking the odd pass. Um, but so while there was definitely an improved effort, which is what Conte called for, um, you know, you, there were just still so many limitations and, and problems that I, I never really felt like Spurs were going to score two. And then as soon as Obviously, Rudiger scored, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Oh, hold on. This is supposed to be the good bit, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah. Love the fans, though, mate. <laughs> <laughs> got behind the lads. They got behind the lads. I, 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 do you know what? I was clutching a little. Um, There's not much. But, but I would, one thing I would add in here as well is that there were a couple of moments where clearly Spurs had decided that when Chelsea... We're going to try and play out from the back, from not from open play, but from goal kicks, from set play, that they were going to press high. And I actually thought, wow, we're making it difficult for Chelsea to get out. The problem was, is that when it wasn't set plays and it was, in fact, just open play, it looked like we couldn't recover quickly enough, Hunter. And, and Kovacic and Jorginho just, just ran it. Yeah, I'll be honest, mate. On TV, it looked like the easiest thing in the world. Even from goal kicks, they just looked so. Ever, although we were getting close to them, 
the the ball was never in any danger, and that is the I, I sort of said that the one of the biggest differences, very simple, one of the biggest difference between Spurs and Chelsea is just the crispness of their passing. No one has to take a step to control the ball. No one has to. No one's overhitting it. No one's putting it knee high. No one's putting it in your fucking stomach like a lot of our passes were. And that's the quality of how good are your centre backs on the ball. How good are your central midfielders on the ball? And when you compare the the those yesterday, probably the biggest differences in the, in the squad yesterday are centre backs. Their centre backs are central midfield two. Their central midfield two. There is a large gap between Kovacic and Jorginho and Winks and Hoybier. I was actually going to put Winks in the good. I thought he was I thought he was probably the most industrious midfielder we had on the pitch. I thought Hoybier had one of those games where he looked, I know he gets compared to a cement mixer every now and then, but he does this thing where the ball moves around him in a one-two and he does a little turn, like a little chug on the spot. And it's too easy. You have to be, you know, as a child, you get taught you have to be moving your feet to move your body. Like, and it, yeah, I mean, that the, the, the passing out from the back, you saw it within five minutes. You saw Sanchez didn't look comfortable. Tanganga didn't look comfortable. Ben Davis, most comfortable of the three. Um, but you hope that Dyer and Romero come in and improve that drastically, really quickly as well, you know. So um, the, the, the good is that we have good players to come in. We have missed Eric Dyer massively. Like, the, yeah. I mean, no one thought they'd yeah. say that at the beginning of the season. And, and I mean, I'm hoping we've missed Romero really badly as well because I mean, he looked like a really brilliant defender, like <laughs> above the standard of defender or player that we sort of get. So that, hopefully that's a good bit. So, you know, I think central midfield is a real issue for Spurs at the moment, especially when Oli Skip doesn't play. We, we apparently can't play football. God, we missed him yesterday, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I honestly would like to see Winks and Skip given a go. Mm. I think we're at that point now where um, I, I don't see it being worse. I don't think Hoybier is giving us much coverage in it that, that Winks can do or that Skip can do. One of them would have to sort of sit a little bit deeper, which I think Skip can do. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, I think it's worth giving it a go. Ante, do you think this is one of the things that I'm struggling a little bit with in terms of this midfield? Do you think that we need a destroyer, like a world-class destroyer, or do you think we're missing a more attack-minded, nifty kind of someone who can play between the lines? Or in order to play this system that Conte wants to play, do we need someone who can actually drive with the ball, is incredibly good defensively, but also has got a shot on them and can do stuff in the final third? Because if that's the case, we're going to have to break the bank, aren't we? Everyone's looking for that midfielder all the time. Yeah. That's that's the that's the golden ticket. I think what Spurs need now more than a destroyer is is a really good ball carrier and someone who can pass progressively forward. Yeah. We really really struggle with balls moving breaker. forward. Yeah, I know that Arsenal have been linked with this guy Guimaraes, and I think uh, was it uh, that basically I can't remember who it was. It might have been Tifo said he'd make sense for Spurs. And he's actually a player that about a month ago, I think we were discussing on this, like players that Spurs should be looking at. He's a, he's a, he fits the bill perfectly. But that's the sort of player. I don't think he needs to be the best defensively in the world because I think between Skip and, and him and Winks and him, we, we sort of can have that covered. I just think a good passer and a good ball carrier because no one's, no one's going through the midfield at the moment. Like, like Kovacic and Jorginho, for instance. Who's the destroyer in there? 
Yeah, it's a very good point. Mm-hmm. They're just a they're just a really good mold of you know can get across the pitch well, can carry the ball forward well, but also you know they're not under that much pressure most of the time because they're really good on the ball. And pro- yeah, problem is is that I would argue they would be better a better passer than all of our central midfield options. That their mm. passing is just mm-hmm. lovely. And and a key point yesterday, I've really enjoyed Harry Winks's upturn in form recently, and his tail is up, and he yeah. looks a player with a lot more confidence. Yeah, but there's a, a moment. Point <laughs> yeah, that was piss poor. Harry Kane. In, in the best position that he'd got into all night, yeah. shook shook Rudiger off, and um and yeah. like it's not that you you're asking him for perfection, right? And unfortunately, like that's that's hard to do. But that was the difference between the two sides. One hundred percent. We should fly on on to the bad bits then. And I feel like given that we've spoken about central midfield and said that they, we, we, we're kind of missing a lot there, there's a lot of pressure on the wing backs to get it right. Um, mm. And Dan, I, I not wanting to sort of throw you under the bus here, but it did did feel like our our wing backs struggled last night. Yeah, they did, and I think we can all see the limitations of the Doherty at left wing back experiment. I think it should end. I don't think he offers anything there. Um, you know, maybe this is galaxy brain stuff, but if if Regulons. I'm fit and apparently he's got some kind of mystery hamstring problem. But if you know he can't play and and, and Conte's rightly being careful with Sessignon, then you know, I'd much rather he went to a back four and you know with Davis at, at left back, and um, which he could have done last night, or, or even you know, thought outside the box a little bit and you know, given Spurs were 2 0 down going into that game, you know, why not play Hill as, as a wing back? You know, he's got a left foot, he's he's quick. He'd probably mm. be terrible defensively, but but what's the worst that could happen? I just don't think Doherty's offering anything um, in that position. And you really just kind of neutralise your own threat down that flank and, and you kind of cede that flank to the opposition, which is what Spurs did in in both legs, really, even though Chelsea weren't playing wing-backs because they didn't have their wing-backs. So, they, you know, Tuchel went to a back four. So, yeah, I mean, I think we'll come on to this, but, you know, I certainly don't think Conte's... You know, immune from criticism over both legs for his selections. Um, and Doherty was particularly frustrating um, in both games. And then, yeah, Royale, I mean, yeah, it's... There's some serious questions, right, over why he's the first player Spurs are looking to upgrade when he was cost more than 25 million. And you know, we've been saying it on WhatsApp recently that you'd much rather have Aurier, who was kind of disruptive, admittedly, but but literally paid off by the club to to bugger off. Yeah. There's no way he would teams like Watford, if you remember a few weeks ago, he just let Royal have the ball for 45 minutes. <laughs> wouldn't be doing that with, with Aurier because he's actually a threat on the ball and he, you know, he's he's powerful. Um he's technically pretty good. He could put balls into the box. He he could beat a man. He could shoot. Um he you, you, he you know I, I I wrote this is a moot point, but you see where I'm going with this. Roy mm-hmm. Royale doesn't offer a great deal. I think he's he's young, he's defensively quite steady. He was bought perhaps as a right back, not as a wing back, but but even so, um it's it's looking like a a not great piece of business as it stands. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah, like you said, it's a like for like, isn't it? We've replaced Aurier with with Aurier Light. Like a guy who oh he's probably I'd say he's probably slightly better at defending than Aurier. Uh yeah. but yeah. but but we need him as a wing back 
And there was a moment, if your one is Winksy, Hainsey, there was a moment for me that was utterly inexcusable yesterday where Spurs somehow managed to put six passes together and it was actually a really good passage of play. And, and this is where he probably deserves a bit of credit is he makes a very well-timed run behind uh, the fullback. But then he's in the area. He has all the time in the world to pick his cross and he overhits it so much that he almost kicks it out of the area on the other side. And he's in the area. And I remember, I was just thinking that how, how has the scouting, how, yeah, as Dan said, it, it should be, it should be question. Why is the scouting pick this guy as the best, best player for Spurs in this position? And if he's the first player to upgrade, then why wasn't he bought with another player and just it was made clear to the fans that right, these are the two. He's the senior one, and here's the here's the backup, the twenty two year old who's going to be there in a few years' time. He cut like we're supposed to be a big team. Do you know what I mean? That, that that's an amateur move. And I think you mentioned scouting, Anton. Just to pick up on that, like the the Adama link, um, everyone will have their view on it, and I've got, I reckon I'm probably more on the kind of positive side than, than a lot of people would be, but. It, it seems very strange that between, you know, the, the, a top kind of club and, and, a, and a leading director of football don't seem to, don't seem to be able to, to kind of identify an actual wing back. They've just said, let's get this guy who's a winger. Um, we'll turn him into one. Uh, turn him into one, which, yeah. which, which is strange, I think. Um, and again, it, it just kind of raises questions and there have been so many questions about what Spurs have done in that position, basically since Carl Walker left. Yeah, you know, you you could do a a kind of long read. Maybe I will on, <laughs> on the story of Spurs just by looking at basically what's happened at right back over the last you know, five or six years. It, it, it's it's quite extraordinary, and it could kind of take a, a, another sort of strange twist if if Adama is the kind of first um, signing of the Conte era. It's also very arguable, Jude, as well, isn't it, that we. We're, we're... When we tend to jump into the market in that gap between, say, 10 and 30 million, we haven't got a world-class track record of getting it right. <laughs> what was the last good signing? Yeah. I think that's underselling it a little bit. I don't know. When we go for like 10, 30, I don't know. I think Son was around 17, wasn't he? Mm. Something like that. Oh, like can... Lucas Moura has become a very, very good signing, isn't he? Yeah, he has. He's been mm. like steady throughout and he's maybe having his best um, so little Pochettino patch. always got it right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did. Oh, give me a hug, Pochi. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I think you guys would have seen through the WhatsApp messages. I am not sold whatsoever on Emerson. He seems like a bit of a wet carrot of a player. I don't really know what he's wet carrot. <laughs> I've wet never carrot? heard that before. I quite <laughs> that like is, it. That's <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. It is now. <laughs> Oh, I just also, also like, I kind of reject it because carrots are, are fine when they're wet, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> they're just not very interesting. There's like just tea. nothing to them. Um, Is he like yeah. hard boiled? So he's like a bit soggy. No, soggy. He's, just, he's just come out of like... the rain. It's just come out of the rain. <laughs> I've just it's I've opened a big bag of like <laughs> baby carrots and just thrown them out. He's just a, a, a carrot. It's a very very convoluted analogy, but yeah, <laughs> he is he is not. But he didn't impress whatsoever. you. No, he was he was god awful again. 
Okay. <laughs> Hunter, Hunter if, if, your, if your cross is the second one, I think the one that hurt me was the first one. When we were at a key moment in the game, first half, he's been released by a really, really good pass that's gone in between the centre-back and the wing-back, and I can't remember at what By Lucas. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, Lucas. Lucas. And, and it just needed that first-time ball across. Oh, God, that was dreadful. That Yeah, now I'm just remembering it. was it. a shooting position, wasn't it, I thought? Well, he could he could have shot or, or there was just a really simple kind of like lay across. Yeah, I, I thought that was a very telling moment because it was a bad first touch. He wasn't quick enough to capitalise on his yard. He lacked conviction and he didn't know what to do. So mm. um, it, it was all round really a display of how not to play as a sort of Conte advanced wing-back. And you kind of get a new, <clears throat> like you said, under you get that if someone's a right back and suddenly they go into Conte's wing back system, it's very, very different. But it, at the same time, it kind of I think he played wing back for Batiste though yeah, when he was on loan for Batiste, and yeah. he was actually very good at that that role, sort of being on the edge of the box and actually being quite tricky and difficult. And I would say often pulling the ball back as opposed to trying to cross. No, to be honest, given given Nuno's history of playing a, a back three it would have been mad to sign someone who they didn't think could yeah. play. Yeah, absolutely. Because Nuno had a history of playing that system. Yeah, that's certainly... I'm certainly now true. starting to think the Liga might just be dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, let's, do the, let's do the ugly bits. Um, we, we, we have to go... I feel bad for Gallini, but we, we do have to talk about this section. And I suppose we've got to talk about Jaffa in, in here as well. And I'm... Such a kind of, uh, I, I love Jaffet Tanganga. I love what he stands for. I love what he represents in terms of where we were as a club around young players coming through. And I'm desperate for it to, to work out for him. But he's had a bit of a stinker over the last couple of games in terms of being at fault for goals. And Gallini, well, I don't know. How did people feel when they saw his name on the team sheet instead of Hugo? Yeah, really. I mean, for me, the, 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 the sort of ugly bit or the talking point, shall we say, was the fact that he started, not not the error. Um, that, I think, was was really surprising. It was one of the big takeaways from the game. And, and I know it's conspiratorial and it's kind of tinfoil hat time, but, you know, I, I, I genuinely wonder if there's something, you know, in, in the idea that Conte was sort of sending a political message to, to Levy and Paratici, um, particularly as, you know, we all know Larice is in contract talks at the moment. Mm. You know, are, are, are they stumbling? Are those talks, you know, stumbling a little bit? And is this Conte saying, you know, this is why he needs to sign? I don't know. Is it something to do with Galini needing to make a certain number of appearances? Mm. Spurs have to have to sign him or have to pay him off or I don't know but it was a really strange call and I didn't buy Conte's explanation that he needed to rest a goalkeeper who didn't play at the weekend and that he wanted to make Galini the cup goalkeeper because he didn't play in the Stamford Bridge so why would you suddenly decide exactly he's the cup goalkeeper so I think odd decision on Conte um but perhaps there was more to it than meets the eye mm. I mean I think as I sort of said to you guys it, Galini's showreel at Spurs is not going to be particularly showy. It's going to be uh, a fairly depressing sort of reel of of average saves and and basic mistakes. I don't know at this point. It's impossible to say whether he's a good goalkeeper or not. Um, you know, he's at Atalanta, who were are brilliant 
And then by, by all accounts, he had some good games for them. But he did come and you did hear the the sort of rumblings of he's got a mistake in him. I, I just think he looks like another backup goalkeeper. I'm more worried about Jaffet. And I think I think if you look at Jaffet's um record who he's played against he's played in like a, a huge amount of significant games for Spurs or at least against really uh, big opposition I, I just wonder if he just needs to go out on loan and just get a nice string of, of games under his belt for a championship side because I think he's probably at championship level go and play for a championship side or a newly promoted side and go and get some real game time, some real game experience outside of Tottenham. I would advise that to lots of players at Tottenham at the moment, go and get some game time elsewhere, go and get some real life experience elsewhere. I I just think that the marking for the goal against Morecambe is really bad. That's switching off at a a set piece, losing a man. And then he got played by one one of the, I'd say one of the best defenders and he's, you know, Azpilicueta is just so smart. He's a horrible guy to play against. He's so smart. And what he does to block Jaffa's run yesterday, it's just a really smart bit of play. It's off the training ground. But again, it's him who's supposed to be tracking Rudiger, beats him the first time. Rudiger then beat him at the second corner and then almost beat him at the third corner. So I think maybe he just needs to, I don't, I don't know, step, try a different yeah. level, try a different club. He could do with going somewhere to actually figure out what he is as a player. Because at the moment he's sort of on that right side of a of a back three, but he's played right back before. He's played as a centre back, but I I wouldn't really know where to stick him if I wanted to get the best out of him. And I'm not really sure playing with Davinson Sanchez in the middle is is helping him. And he as for him as like one of the the main defenders in that back three, I think he'd be a lot more comfortable if Dyer and Romero were playing alongside him. If that's how it ended up, because you look at that back five and it's just sort of erratic all over the shop at the moment. And you've got players like Sanchez and Tanganga. They cut, they're they not amazing passes. I think they the stats for their completed passes were pretty rubbish. They like they missed one out of four or something like that. Oh. And you contrast that with like, um, like Chelsea's core of Rudiger, Christensen, Jorginho and Kovacic. They didn't miss a pass all night and they mm. like sucked the life out of the game by just keeping possession and and all of that. So Yeah, but you're yeah. right, Jude. You're right, Jude. It looked like that's where the game was won and lost. Um rather than rather than something else. It, it, that's where it looked like Spurs were losing losing the game was just in those simple passes. Well we couldn't do it. And the the three centre backs really struggled with it. Um I did I did make the point last night that uh, I don't know how many of this this back six will be here next season. And I definitely don't think if they are still here, they're not going to be in the starting eleven for me next season. And I don't know how you guys feel about that, but when you look at that as a back six, you know, yeah. um, uh, totally fair. I think. Yeah. yeah. Would just add two two more things to add on to this. I, I think just to back up Dan's point earlier on about the the, the goalkeeper sitch, um, Hugo had a really really good game against West Ham in the last round. He made some crucial saves that kind of kept us in it when we were sort of 10, 15 minutes to go. And and that was really, really important. So I think that's quite an interesting thing to then see him play that game, play the first leg. I understand that we've got an important game with, with Arsenal coming up the weekend, but... Just oh, God. Hugh- Hugh- oh. Hugh- 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 Hugh-
he right, wasn't on the okay. bench. But none, but nonetheless, um, he was just so good recently. Nonetheless, mm. it doesn't stack up given that what happened. It, um, and he's been phenomenal. It's like it's 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 incredible to see this happening to a player that that there was a really worrying point, wasn't there, under Pochettino? There was a really worrying point that he that maybe he wasn't gonna wasn't going to go through the next generation or wasn't going to go through the next cycle in his career. Um, just on Tanganga, Jude, I, I, I think it's really interesting what you say about the nature of his position um, because I feel like all of his best work seems to happen quite wide um, out on the, on the right-hand side where he goes and engages someone and is very physical and very kind of at it and on the front foot. It's where we saw his best performance of the season against Man City. I actually feel like once he's suddenly sort of drifting towards his own goal, particularly in that three, you feel like he's lost. He's a little bit lost in terms of the area he's supposed to be in, or, or perhaps more worryingly, he doesn't know what position his body should be in for the position that he's playing in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, he's he's excellent when he needs to be proactive, and we we saw that when he was getting right into uh, Raheem Sterling in that City game. Um, but it's, it, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? Because there's there's the argument you could make where you know he, he should stay at the club, um, even if he's just going to be on the fringe of the team and just learn how an Antonio Conte defense works, um, <laughs> so that when he can when the time does come and he needs to step in, that he's capable of doing that. But then there's also the idea that he hasn't. He's always sort of come in and out of the team, hasn't he? I think under Moo, he had like a, a decent run of games, but it's not always. He's always sort of just filling in for someone else, <laughs> yeah, so to speak. He doesn't. He hasn't really made a position his, his own. And I do, I do love him as a player, and I do think he he can be a decent player for Spurs. But he might need a new environment just to figure out what he's all about. Mm. And he does look, he does look frightened when like he's in his own box and he's having to mark. Um, strikers who want to climb all over him for for goals um, and headers from corners and stuff like that. So developing a little bit of positional awareness would be because you don't you don't think of Jaffa and think dominant in the air, do you? I don't know how tall he is. He's got a great he's, leap. He's, he's got, got a great leap, leap hasn't he? And yeah, he's, and he's a great. He can head a ball incredibly well. But I think it, there's a difference between that and being dominant. Yeah, yeah, like Rudiger is, it? and it should be should be mentioned that Rudiger is one of the best in the Premier League for me. Like one of the best so in the air. That. Like he got so. Oh, he got lucky. He got lucky with the head. Did come off his back. Me. Yeah, no, but he's. Uh, do you see? He's so high up. He's above yeah, yeah, yeah. Jaffet, and then he's coming down. You know, you. you... <laughs> no, I, I was envious last night, Hunter. I mm. thought you nailed it with one of the things that you said earlier on. But I was, I was envious of Rudiger last night because I felt like not only was he excellent in terms of his. Uh, technical ability and his defending ability he was excellent in terms of his gamesmanship and mm -hmm. I found myself sitting there being like that is a guy who is at it he's, yeah he's on the he's on the edge of what this game needs he's at the yeah. cusp of what you need to get through in the semi-final and I like we we were perhaps a little bit lacking there and they were definitely not and Rudiger was definitely not. They've um, got a lot of winners in there now. You've got to look at that squad now. They're just a smart team. They're, I think this is where Spurs fans just need to have a little bit of, uh, you know, be more open-minded to the idea that Chelsea are now well into their process. They are about yes, as yeah. polished a team as the Premier League has to offer. There's, there's one team that's better than them, maybe is two. Is it a year in now? Is it a year? Yeah, just over a year, yeah. right? Yeah. Just he's over been a year. To, he's, been, he's got to, to every 
essentially every major final that you could have got to. Exactly. A year, but a year, very important middle ground there is with a summer where he got to bring in a few players and, you know, move a few players on. We are right at the beginning yeah. and we are nowhere near. We are nowhere near where Tuchel was when he was arrived in terms of the squad depth. This is going to take a couple of years. That's what Conte has been saying. All he's the frustration that you're seeing now is because it sounds like Spurs don't have a lot of money to play with. I think it also didn't help that it came out that we under FFP we could we could supposedly spend 400 million pounds, which was then misused by aggregators as Spurs have 400 million pounds to spend. It's like no, yeah, not what's being said. What's being said is under FFP we've been so good. Uh, at, at balancing the books that we can legally spend 400 million pounds. Spurs aren't going to do that, but we are at the beginning of the process. We need to get rid of, I'm still banging this drum of, we need to get rid of a load of players. I still think there's players that don't want to be there. Tango Nabele probably doesn't help now that he clearly doesn't want to be there. Um, I think there is a clear out that needs to happen. There is a restart button that needs to happen. And, and, I don't know if it ends with loans or people just sort of go because selling players is so difficult now, but there is something, you know, we need to trust that Conte is going to get it right. I'm not going to use Arsenal's trust the process, but really we do need to, we have the best, we have one of the best managers in the world. We yeah. either back him now or we just admit that it's not, we don't want to be a big player in the game. But you yeah, need to have patience and then have trust in... Well, I suppose it's difficult to have trust in, in the Spurs hierarchy if you're not really sure if what Antonio wants is going to be followed through with. That's that's a that's a major problem. But like a lot of patience is going to be needed yep. from the Spurs faithful because like he Conte's been saying it for 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 months and that this isn't going to be a, a quick turnaround. And I think maybe a few of us got quite high on the thought of um, the bounce. <laughs> yeah, on the bounce and the bounce was good. And I I don't think it's going to be you know dreary street forever. We'll see how Sunday goes, but then there'll be games that they can pick up wins in and things will look a little bit better again because that team is still good enough to beat the majority of exactly. the teams in the Premier League. Um, it's just that there are players in there who don't seem to offer too much. I think when you look at someone like Matt Doherty over the two legs, yeah. you, you can see that you know he's not being done any favours playing a left wing back, but he's not adding any threat. He's not particularly good defensively. Um, and there are, he's not the only one. There are plenty of other players who don't seem to you know, add anything at the moment. I think mm. Celso's struggled a little bit. I saw he was getting like man of the match against Morecambe and stuff like that. And I was like, Jesus Christ, we only won that game. <laughs> His players came off the bench and yeah. and scored and assisted. So yeah, there's there's a lot of players who need to be shunted out and um replaced with, you know, doers, people that want to get on the ball. Yeah, passes, exactly. Cut lines, do all that. it looks like it looks like from where I'm sitting, you know, now looking at the stats that Conte has got them running more. He's got them fitter. He's got them doing the basic sort of movements. You can see the movements. It does slightly look like we're going through the movements. It almost looks like a preseason at times. That's all he can do at the moment because then it comes down to, well, how good are the players? And some of them are very good and some of them are not so good. And that's the process is then replacing the players that, that aren't and upgrading and slowly getting better and better and we become more and more cohesive so that the plan starts coming together. We're at the we we went from the twentieth uh, in terms of running stats to the first in like three weeks. Like that's what he can. That's what he can change. That's what he can affect. Then it comes down to how good are the players? How good are the team? And as you said, Hainsey, there's nothing more to learn about this team. 
Yeah, and I, I, I think you're you're both spot on in terms of the nature of being able to sell in January. I think there is this very wishful school of thought that says, right, just sell 20 players. Like, <laughs> the, 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 January, it's difficult to do business at, at, at in any part of football, let alone when you've got a carefully assembled squad in terms of contract lengths. Like the part of the strength of our position and a lot of, a lot of the time is that we're very careful with the way we do contracts and it protects us against ever being squeezed in the market. But at the same time, it does mean you're in a position where you have players who are on, on long-term contracts and are in, in a really good position from our point of view, should they they skyrocket in value. We also have to bear in mind that if we then go and change the system and manipulate, manipulate the way we want to play, you might have players that perhaps don't fit into a new manager's, um, a new manager's school of thought or style of play. Um, and I, 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 there is a little bit of me that does look at it in, in the sense that we can't really judge anyone who is, is kind of like, right, I, I want to see signings primarily mm. because we know about Antonio Conte's past. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we all sort of, with the way that it played out over the summer and then the way that it played out in what was it October, it kind of, I don't know, maybe, maybe assumption is making a, a fall out of a, a load of us <laughs> once again, but it just, you just kind of, I, I suppose you just naturally do kind of go follow the steps, you know, you follow the next kind of three or four steps, which kind of tells you that Antonio Conte is a manager who likes to have horses for courses and you know what he's going to try and do. And I'm, I guess perhaps that's part of the reason yeah. why people are having... Well, and I think people people are also, to that point, Nazi, people are also looking at Antonio Conte and going, well, fuck me. He might actually be able to convince some very good players, some winners to come here, uh, you know, just in terms of defensively. If you're looking at someone like DeVry, if you're looking at the the, the sort of the, the old into centre backs that that he's played with and then some of the old, other like the old Italians that he's had knocking around under him that I think people are thinking this is a moment this is the moment that Spurs can say look we're building something new don't miss it because if you piss him off and he leaves in the summer and he leaves a year early whatever it will just feel like such a missed opportunity and that's where I understand people's sort of annoyance at the situation yeah well, we've also not- had missed opportunities like under Poch a few yeah. years ago when he should have been backed and he should have got the right players. And like, it's just, that's going to piss Spurs fans off, you know, a, a lot again, if they miss the chance again to strengthen their squad with the players the manager wants. So they, they have to go and do it because otherwise, literally, what is the point? What is the, what <laughs> what is the, is point, the point? Yeah, If you're going out to get Antonio Conte, one of the best managers in the world, fresh off a Serie A title win, and you're going to say, the purse strings are a little tight. It doesn't yeah. mean go out and spend like 300, 400 million. It just means give him the players he wants and he needs. Let him do the rebuild. And then let's see where Spurs, you know, want to go. Let's see how <laughs> ambitious the club wants to be. Because like there's mistrust in, in the fan base around that because they're yeah. not sure and they haven't seen, um, you know, the results over the last few years. I do really like what Hunter's saying there as well mm. about the nature of... Uh, a winning mentality like I really am I I would love to see um, I'd love to see at Spurs a couple of players that you look at and go Jesus he's won a lot Mm. 
you know, one of those players who's kind of like maybe it could even potentially be coming towards the coming towards the twilight. But I always loved, I, I really enjoyed, for example, what Cambiasso did for for well, Leicester. For Leicester. I, yeah. I just thought it was such an astute signing. They knew they were never really going to get more than 18 months of real quality from him. Mm. But what he brought to that team in terms of his composure, his control, he still had just about enough legs to make it work, but also his mentality and, and the way that he carried himself. I, th- I do feel like sometimes at Spurs, like I said earlier on, we, we, we learned everything we're going to learn about this squad. Yeah, But I feel like there are some players that could potentially come in and teach players in our squad 100%. how to change their... Thiago Silva yesterday coming example. on is a really good example. Chelsea signed one of the all-time winners. He's just he just built to win things, right? And he's a fantastic centre-back anyway. He's one of the best centre-backs that, that we've seen in the last sort of 20 years. And then he just... He just... Everything about him just... Pres- just feels calm and composed and he feels in control all the time. And as a centre-back, that's so worthwhile. That's so important to have. And yeah, I, I Conte complained about this actually when he, in his first year at Inter, there's quotes that I was seeing today that's where he was sort of saying uh, that we don't have like, we don't have the experience in this team apart from Godin. We don't have the experience in this team to, um, to to challenge for the Champions League and the and Serie A, um, and he said we, we're limited in both numbers and quality, um, and and so I have to rely on certain players for a certain time and blah blah blah. He that's the same here. So Spurs are either he's going to crack or Spurs are going to crack, and I can I can tell you which one I would bet on. <laughs> <laughs> let's um, let's just quickly do the beautiful. Should you say Dan Kilpatrick has had to shoot off to uh, start creating his long read on the Tottenham right back situation. <laughs> um, let's just quickly do the beautiful bits. That I think there is just a couple of little things that I would touch on. I do. I want to give a bit of a nudge to Lucas because mm. I think that at times he's shown a level of class when it comes to his work ethic that um, that maybe sometimes we haven't necessarily totally deserved consider as fans, considering the way that lots of us, myself included at times have been prepared to be like, Oh, just like if someone needs drop in, like drop Lucas and make space for the, make space for the creative artist who's going to come in and change everything. (laughs) For me, Lucas is now one of the first names on the team sheet. And if I ever see a team sheet where he's not on it, I'm absolutely gutted. Mm. Yeah. And I I think just in terms of work rate, I know, I know it's really simple one, but he just sets a tone. Yeah, and uh, and and it's really important. It's really important because I do I do think some players get away with having a um, reputation for working hard, and some players just work hard. And he for, he for me is just like a rain or shine. Doesn't play if you're playing Morecambe or you know Chelsea. He's going to work as hard as he's got in his legs. And he looked a bit tired yesterday at yeah. ninety minutes, and it was and that's completely understandable. The only thing I would say is it was just so clear to me how much we need a player. Like, like Chris, I'm just going to go back to Christian Eriksen because there were three, four times where he was making, he'd won the ball. Look, this is all on him. And then he just needed to lay it off to the guy next to him who can actually pass the ball because there was three or four times where he was running at the back line. Kane's gone one way. The I think it was Sessignon at this time had gone the other. 
and he just didn't know when to release the ball and he got caught under his feet and he had to turn around and sort of lay it back. That's where a really good passer just plays a, a decisive, but even like Eric Lamella was quite good at it as well. Yeah. Decisive sort of pass. Deli Ali's been known to be the do it, but I don't think that's what Deli Ali to me is is. Um I I absolutely agree. And and power to him, because I think a few years ago people were asking why, why have we done this? And then since since basically since Poch left, to be honest, he's just he's been one of our most consistent performers. Um, I think that's also a sign of the drop-off in quality throughout the rest of the squad, though. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And, and like he's done it consistently, Jude, throughout every manager now. Yeah, I mean he's 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 forged his way and like I, in terms of like attitude, I can't, I can't really doubt him. But you ter- if you talk about drop-off in quality, I mean it is always I you know, he he's been excellent as a player, but he, he also only ended a run of like 12 months without a Premier League goal only recently so you know there are sort of pros and cons to it I did feel a little sorry for him yesterday when he was trying to buzz around and make moves and um, you know he just had no movement up front alongside him I think he he struggled with with you know having an extra midfielder as opposed to Son up front so he didn't have someone to find um, up there and hopefully they 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 stick another winger in in the next game. Um, so that, because, Sonny, have we? Yeah, because when Lucas does drop off, you need someone to, you know, when when we were first seeing the, you know, the green shoots of Conte coming in, like Lucas would drop off, play bounce passes with Kane and Son, and then they'd be away down the flanks and they'd be creating chances like that. And we just didn't, haven't really seen that. Um, we didn't see it in the two Chelsea games. Um where Son was a little bit quiet in that one, and then he got injured. Um, yeah. And, and so that kind of neatly takes us into uh, the nature of the, the team selection that we've got to get right for, for this weekend. It is, as always, the biggest game of the season for Spurs. <laughs> Wherever you sit in the table, whatever's going on elsewhere, and regardless of the fact that we've just gone out of a semi-final Arsenal at home is the one that we all look to on the calendar and is the one we all desperately want to win more than any other point in the year. Mm. Um, this this is probably the biggest North London derby in for a long time. For for a long time, yeah. Just yeah. just in terms of where we sit in the table as well. Two games in hand. I think we're two points behind them. It's, it's, Two games in hand, and then the potential to go ahead of them with those two games in hand mm. is just such an opportunity, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, it is. And and I know that the two games we have are Leicester and, and Leicester and Arsenal. Leicester and Burnley is that the other game in hand that we have? We've got to play Brighton again. Got to play Brighton again. Yeah. Um, but this is a this is a, a really big one, and they're without a couple of players, and we're without a couple of players. So I, I, honestly. I'd love to tell you I'm confident, Hainsey, but I just am more more sick in the throat than anything. This game, <laughs> this game makes fools out of anyone that's confident. Yeah, exactly. I've found out way too many times. Um, <laughs> le- le- should we just quickly run the team we want to see? So, yeah. of, I mean, of course, Hugo, but it, I think the big one that Jude, you mentioned earlier on was Eric Dyer, right? Is he yeah. fit? Well, I'm, I'm not well, sure. There's basically that there's a conversation around whether he will will be or won't be. Yeah, he needs mm-hmm. to be fit because at the moment Spurs don't have anyone in that sort of in that defence who's comfortable 
passed the yeah. ball out, which is really like dodgy. And Arsenal are going to press. Yes, they are. Quickly. And if Davinson is playing and is looking shaky, um, or Jaffet for that for that matter, then they could get some real joy. So hopefully Dyer is fit because I haven't I haven't heard him screaming away at corners and suddenly we're conceding from corners again, which actually <laughs> you know makes a lot of sense. <laughs> no one knows. No one knows what to do. Yeah, you just yeah. I think it. I think you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There's a, the, the three the three that I think we'd like to see or that we will see is probably Dyer if he's fit, Sanchez and, and Davis again. Um, is that what I want to see? That's a whole nother debate. That's a whole nother debate. Um, <laughs> and then left wing back, is Regulon injured or is he? This is, the Regulon one's quite difficult. And I think Dan sort of hit the nail on the head a little bit earlier on in that it would, the original, I think the original reasoning was a discussion around tiredness. When he was, right. do you remember we were looking at him next to Son on the sideline? Yeah, yeah. Almost like he's being rested, but the fact that he wasn't available last night kind of makes you think perhaps it could be something else. But then... well, look, if he's fit, Regulon. If not, Sessegnon. I actually wouldn't mind Sessegnon at all. I think yeah. I think there are opportunities, especially seeing as Tomiyasu looks like he might be out for the game, which is actually quite a big loss for them now, seeing as Cedric. Apparently can't play football. Um, Maitland Niles has gone as well. Maitland Niles has gone as well. Yeah. Yeah. So they've got Callum Chambers, I think. Right. Yeah. So look, that's how they how they go on Thursday. Yeah, because if Tommy Tommy Asu's if Tommy Asu's fit, then he's been brilliant. I have to say, now looking at that and and looking at who we signed, I'm I'm not going to say jealous, but it's definitely there. That's the sort of question marks that you have to be having. Um, Right side, right wing back. It's this is the issue, right? It has to be Emerson at the moment yeah. and and for me that is so this is the problem Spurs have had for so long that it has to be this player like Aurier said do you remember when Aurier said I don't have anyone who's going to push me for this yeah. position I don't have a competition we were in that position again because Dotti I mean look Dotti I have no idea if he can play right wing back but he can't play left wing back at the moment for Spurs maybe Jaffet but there are massive limitations I, I, there yeah. I think I'd sooner see Jaffet start a right wing back okay. this weekend, primarily for the fact that you at least know that you're going to get a guy who's going to be up for the, the sort of physical battle. And I actually, sure. I, I, I do actually believe that his crossing is better than Emerson's. But he's going up against Martinelli, who is the form, one of the form players in the Premier League, who is rapid. Like I went to Arsenal when Spurs had a game called off. I went to Arsenal to, to take people to the game. Um, and I was sitting on the wing um, where Walker Peters was supposed to be looking after him. Mm. And whoa, he was just getting rinsed. Like this guy is on fire. Like that, that is a worry for Spurs. He's full of confidence. He's always been a very talented player and he's absolutely rapid. So, okay. So right wing back, we're not sure. We're going to put a big question mark there. (laughs) Whoever, whoever is uh, feeling the sharpest on the day. So then into the midfield, are we playing first and first of all? Are we playing? Are we playing three four three? Or are we playing three five two? I oh, I I'll, I'll let you go first, Cody. Uh, it's it's a tough one because I don't know who. I, ideally, I'd want to play three four three, but I don't know who I put in the in the other winger spot. And if you play three five two, you probably have to stick all of Wink, Skip, and Hoybier in there. And to be honest, I don't. I wouldn't. 
I know he's going to be a proper passion up for it, lad, but I don't think Hoybio has been very good recently. And I think Arsenal uh, would just nip the ball around him quite quickly. Yes. I don't see how that's going to help us. I wouldn't want to see him play. Um, but it's it's who, who's, who you stick up top in that sort of left wing if you go in for, for three, four, what, three. And you go what the hell has happened with Steven Bergwijn? Well, it was oh, an injury, I mean, wasn't it? But I don't... There was an injury, but it was niggly. And then all of a sudden it was Spurs. Uh, I, I saw, what's his name? The, the Here we go, man, saying that that Spurs are happy to sell him. Yeah, which is, like Ajax are interested. Which yeah. is, But it's the uh, same story we've always had with Steven Bergwijn, though, right? In that I just find he, it really frustrating. I know. It, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hella frustrating <laughs> because you think, oh, there might be a player there and then he gets an injury in the conference yes, league so, or something like that. So um, many injuries. So many injuries. Yeah, but he's another one who, like, I can talk to you now and be like, he's sick at this. Or I can really tell mm. you is like, he's he, like, like Jose said at Tanganga, he's fast and that's it. And even yeah. then he looks like he's running in quicksand half the time. Okay. So, so I think everything you've just said, Jude, suggests we should play a 3-5-3. Then three five two. Sorry, if we can get an extra player on the pitch, <laughs> if we can sneak another one on. Why not? Yeah, that's, because that's because you might as well <laughs> because they're missing because they're missing Partey and Nenny's not there. They've got rid of Mate and Nars. They're actually quite short in central midfielders at the moment. So Xhaka and whoever the other person is probably wait. Lakonga is where's or is he? A, he might. Well, that's what I'm saying. So Xhaka is like 50-50 for this one in terms of injury. Uh, Lukonga is uh, is there. Oh, um, he's Belgian, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Abamyang, Partey, El Neni, and Pepe that are not Erdegaard uh, uh, or Ergar, if you want to call him by his actual pronunciation and be a Ooh, let it go. Yeah. Um, then uh, yeah, he he potentially will play, and then Smith Rowe, they're fifty fifty on as well. Tommy Asso, fifty fifty also. I mean that that bodes well for a point of view of you know that Arsenal will gamble on a few of those and some yes. straight down. Or was it Party last year who got yeah. injured? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and like you know that will happen. The problem, uh, what I'd love to see, I would love to see someone given an opportunity in an advanced midfield role. I want to see two midfielders at the base. The Celso though, who who yeah, is one, this? One one of them be one of them be Skip. The other one can be Winks or Hoyt. Yeah, and then someone to play the role trying to do something between do you know, the lines do you know what i'd put i'd put lacelso in there because if nothing else lacelso is going to give you a bit of bite yeah and i thought i quite liked it yesterday that he was trying to wind up the young left back sar yeah uh obviously he's not good, a left back had a good old go didn't he had a good old go but didn't really didn't obviously didn't really make it make it work but possibly uh, in a north london derby in a north london derby, he's got like i'm I think he, he he at least understands what a derby means, you know, and what it means to play in a game like this. Not, but not like. See, the one of the criticisms that I have at the moment of the players that we seem to be putting in the creative roles is they're giving us lots of like huff and puff, but the quality in the final third, like Lacelso yesterday, made four or five really good slide tackles, and I was like, well, it's nice that he's showing a bit of fight, but. I want I want to see Lacelso threading a pass in the final third that means mm. that we break lines and I wonder whether whether there's an outside chance I mean that Delhi gets a go I mean I I know Delhi like I know he's on the periphery but in the same way that we're looking for for players that get it I feel like Delhi is someone that loves big games he loves playing against Arsenal he totally yeah. would be up for it. 
in my head I'd love it to be Delhi but how many more times can I say I'd love it to be Delhi and then it is Delhi <laughs> and then yeah, uh, the, yeah so then in that case it's it's Lo Celso then. Lo Celso behind Kane and Kane and um Lucas big man li- big man little man <laughs> are you skipping no I'm skipping winks I'm skipping winks and I don't think against that Arsenal side you need to you need Hoybier I genuinely don't think you need Hoybier that's 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 my personal opinion. Jude? Yeah. No, I, I'm right. Yeah, I'm right there as well. I don't think we'll need a classical destroyer. I think both teams will have like even share of the ball. It's just what we what we do with it, whether we can get our dangerous players into space, whether the delivery from out right is good. Um Oh come yeah. on, Tottenham! <laughs> Please don't. Let's mess see, it up. eh? Let's just build up the anxiety now. Yeah. It's you can't... Be a horrible Sunday. Jude, are you are you going to be there, or are you are you in Brighton? No, I'm in I'm in Brighton, so I'm going to oh, watch mate. it at home. Hainsey, um, I'll be I'll be there on the big screen, mate. I'm planning <laughs> I'm planning a, a, a solid 10k for the next morning to make. I've done, <laughs> I don't know if you've hungry. seen Ben, but I've actually booked Monday off. Well, I've requested Monday off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! Yeah. It's just the most horrible fixture, isn't it? Like yeah. you can't, you can't relax until the moment the full time whistle goes, and then yeah. it's either absolute despair, and I don't want to talk about football for ages, or it's just the best thing. No, oh, yeah. Please let it be the best thing. It hasn't been the best thing for a while, has it? <laughs> no, Let's be and it's, like the, the ones that we've had to enjoy, fans haven't been able to be there. Too. Well, exactly. Yeah. So we're owed one. Come on, yeah. come on! And home sides in the North London derby recently, they usually yeah, get tend to do quite well. Get the result, so big atmosphere coming. Right, we'll leave it there because we've spoken for ages, but we did have <laughs> about three weeks of podcasting to catch up on. So, hope you enjoyed the pod. Uh, we'll try and be back next week. In fact, I know we can be back next week. Must try harder, gang. Woo! Um, <laughs> Uh, but we'll be uh, yeah we'll be back and and enjoy the game on the weekend. I hope it's not as nerve shredding as we know it all will be. Oh what a night! Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday night. You play When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.